The Spin-Off Podcast Network. When the Facts Change is brought to you by the Spin-Off Podcast Network in partnership with Kiwi Bank. The bank for Kiwi looking to get ahead in business and in life. A bank that delivers expertise and banking know-how, smart advice for business owners wanting to invest, grow their business or diversify. A bank that adapts with technology through the lens of its people and customers. It is a bank with heart that is driven by its purpose. Kiwi making Kiwi better off. Tēnā koutou katoa, I'm Michael Andrew, the Spinoff's Business Editor. In this month's bonus episode of When the Facts Change, I spoke to Ranjit Jayanandan, General Manager of Kiwi Bank's Foundation Tech Experience Hub. As the person leading Kiwi Bank's digital innovation journey, Ranjit has a unique perspective into how banking and fintech will change in New Zealand and the increasing role technology plays in the customer experience. So Ranjit, what exactly does the General Manager of Foundation Tech Experience Hub at Kiwi Bank do? On a day-to-day basis, I'd like to say I am responsible for helping a team of highly talented engineers, product managers, technology architects, and delivery managers to create some of the foundational tech blocks that we need from a banking perspective to create better outcomes for our customers. In addition to that, the other part of my role is to ensure that we're able to think about what the future state of banking is going to look like and what foundational elements we'd need to support that future state, which means thinking more broadly about leveraging tools and processes that exist elsewhere and trying to get us to that future state. Again, it's all about like trying to get those experiences faster out to our customers, getting feedback from them quicker, and incrementally layering some of those enhancements to our digital offerings when there's either a need for it or a demand for it. Okay, so you're right in the thick of things at Kiwi Bank. Um, you started at the beginning of the year, and it's, I guess, an incredibly exciting time to begin such a role. We're seeing this eruption of innovation and technology adoption around the world and in New Zealand. And it sounds like your role with Kiwi Bank is to make sure that it's a part of the journey here in New Zealand. Where would you say Kiwi Bank is so far with the adoption of this new technology and, and rolling it out to your customers? Uh, like spot on, Michael. There's like there's a massive interest across the globe for like a lot of these. Um, I think every industry to get to that point where we are constantly innovating or trying to stay relevant to provide the best possible outcomes for our customers. So if, as far as Kiwi Bank is concerned, like we've we'd started this journey. Like it's it's been almost like about two years since we've been into this journey, and we've tried to figure out like what it is that we need to build and what changes do we need to make in order for us to stay relevant and there's a lot of interest across the board to kind of accelerate and move to that modern tech stack that will provide not only the stability that we need um, in order to support the future state but also make changes faster keep up with the demands for our customers and it's also about like not just changing the technology but about the mindset and we're probably like right at the start of that mindset change for our customers as well because when i think about it the ways of working has kind of like shifted with covid quite a bit and what that has meant is that like lots of people working from home so collaboration happens remotely and when you have those sort of like things happening like people start becoming a little bit more creative about how we can like achieve outcomes and what we recognized very quickly was that we need to start thinking about how our modern platforms that we have not only for our customers but also for our internal staff are upgraded and ready and capable of being able to 
do what we needed to do in order for us to build those capabilities for our customers. So can you give me an example of the type of technology that's being rolled out internally that's considered an advancement? From my perspective, when we think about the technology again, like I try to think about it from a foundational block perspective. And like if you look traditionally at banking, you would think about standing things up ourselves and using an on-premise model. But now we're looking more at a cloud-based shift in technology. So thinking about software as a service, looking at offerings across the globe that would provide us that capability, thinking about how do we become cloud native whilst also making sure that our customers' information is safe, our customers' data is safe, and more importantly, their money is safe. So thinking about what that right balance is of where we keep the technology stack that we have today versus what we try to think about moving into the cloud. Do you think your customers are ready to engage with this type of new technology? And I know it's probably manifesting itself as a movement to primarily online banking. Would you say your customers are embracing this shift? Absolutely. I think what we have seen is that more than 80% of our customers, and this is like even before COVID, was that a good number of our customers we're using our digital channels. That's our mobile app, internet banking, website on a fairly regular basis. From some of the research that we have seen, this is way higher than our peers in the New Zealand market. I think the reason for this is because Kiwi Bank is relatively new into the market. Like, I mean, if you if you were to think about it, we started in 2002 and therefore we'd be a millennial. And a lot of the millennials who kind of like came of age with Kiwi Bank, came of age with the advent of mobile banking, smartphones, the Apple iPhone, etc. So I think internet banking is second nature to a lot of our customers. And therefore, it's been an easier shift for some of those folks to kind of go, all right, this is how we want to do things. And therefore, it is being provided by Kiwi Bank. And therefore, we have a good uptake of digital technologies with our customer base. Okay, so they're definitely poised to take up this new technology because they're already having embraced it. Um, from the get-go, right? Agreed, yep. Okay. You've worked extensively in the US for companies like Oracle, so you have an inside perspective into how technology is changing and progressing both fintech and startups overseas, right? That's right. If I take the US example, like it's a much bigger market than New Zealand, and there's obviously some like there's some benefits that come out of like having a bigger pool of people who work in a similar kind of field. In New Zealand, for example, like if you compare the number of like people coming out into the market from a tech perspective, there's about 5,000 universities in the US versus eight in New Zealand. Um, so the scale is much larger. And the other big difference is that the scale of investments flowing into the financial sector or the financial technology sector in the U.S. is much larger as well. So, so there's a few market differences between the U.S. versus New Zealand. Despite of all that, like I think New Zealand is still punching above its weight in terms of innovation. And one of the things that we've also seen is that COVID has actually accelerated the acceptance and adoption of some of these digital banking technologies across the board. And therefore, we're in a better position than we were probably five years ago. That's good to hear because... I think it's almost a common lament that you hear New Zealand's lagging behind the rest of the world as far as fintechs and startups and technological adoption goes. But you're saying we're actually doing quite well despite our our relatively small scale. 
Yeah, I think I, you know, it's again one of those things where I read a news article the other day which said that since COVID, the digital uptake in New Zealand over the 10 week period of the lockdown was higher than what it was in the five years. So it's a good momentum that has built up behind the COVID wave, which I think it has actually pushed a lot of people into being digitally savvy, you know, and then that first barrier has been crossed. And now it's really about like pushing it a little further and trying to see where we can get to in terms of like additional innovation, etc. And this is where I think our friends doing the fintech work in financial technologies will effectively help us push that a little bit out in terms of innovation, creativity, etc. You mentioned COVID. Would you say that COVID had an effect on the way people and customers engage with their banks? Oh, absolutely. Like with the branch closures, etc. during COVID, there's been a change in the way that people have been forced almost into using digital tools to do the functions that they potentially would have, you know, walked into a branch to do or have done via phone banking. It almost made it like give it that um, much needed push in the right direction. And from that point on, it was very much about like, all right, how do we make these experiences as awesome as possible for our customers? And, and we're at that point and COVID has definitely helped with that. And that's where you come into it, of course, right? Because <laughs> starting right yeah, at, this, exactly. at this nexus at this point where you're trying to augment this customer experience and make it as compelling as possible with more people engaging Kiwi Bank online and digitally. That's right, yeah. We're really at that starting point where we want to think about how can we make the best out of that momentum that has been created? How do we invest in the right set of technologies? How do we invest in the right set of tools? And also be able to kind of like go back to thinking about, you know, customers and their outcomes that we want for those customers and making sure we're giving it the best possible like lens from that perspective as well. Very good. So I wanted to touch on how you compare the technologies that have been developed overseas to what's emerging in New Zealand. Um, you probably can't go into specifics on <laughs> what kind of uh, tech you've seen, but would you say New Zealand is picking up what's being developed overseas or even preempting what's emerging in, in places like the US? I think so. I think like we're starting to get to that point where if you were to ask this question 10 years ago, it's all about like in-house development of a various number of like technologies to kind of keep up with the market, etc. But now what's happening is that there's this wide array of tools that you can buy off the shelf that provide base functionality that you can use in your product offerings. And I think one of the things that we want to try and do from a Kiwi Bank perspective, and also like I think most organizations around the world is to not reinvent the wheel. If someone solved the problem, then may as well like use that to solve our own problems. And it may not be in the same industry, for example, but it is a similar problem. And at the heart of it, it's all about figuring out what it is that those technology or what those specific products offer and seeing which of those specific offerings are relevant to us and making sure we can get those pieces of technology into the organization and then customize it and build on top of it so that we are able to provide those outcomes for our customers. Another issue you commonly hear in New Zealand, especially within the startup community, is that it's very difficult to, one, access capital here and the other, access talent. 
Would you say, especially in the last year since COVID, that that's something you're observing, a lack of talent and difficulty recruiting the right kind of people? Definitely from a talent perspective, yeah. Like it's it's become very obvious to us that there's a shortage of talent in New Zealand. Now it's looking a lot worse than it was probably in the last year where everyone's competing for the same set of people to work on very similar types of problems. And one of the things that KiwiBank's finding is it's, it's quite hard to find the right set of people to work on the new tech stacks that we want them to work on. Mm. Can you explain what a tech stack actually is? A tech stack is effectively all the pieces of technology tools that you may need to run an efficient process. And if I were to give you an example, it would be internet banking. There's probably about four or five different applications that prop up all the functionality that you see on front of your screen. And the pieces of functionality would involve like taking a piece of data from our back-end systems all the way to the front-end systems that give you a sense of, here's what my balance looks like, for example. So each of those systems that the data interacts with on its way to making it to the screen, there's a bunch of things that happen. And the tech stack is effectively like any piece of kit that sits across that spectrum of systems that allow you to like eventually see what your balance looks like on a front end screen. All right, I'm beginning to understand <laughs> how complicated your job is. It sounds like a lot to take in. There's a few things here. Yeah. yeah, definitely. On the talent issue, there's also the capital issue, which you hear a lot of startups talking about in New Zealand and a lot of companies. And it's also seen to be responsible for this exodus of companies that are being bought up overseas like you know you've got your vens and timely based on your experience overseas is that what you think is a factor as to why these companies aren't staying in New Zealand and moving elsewhere I don't think they're necessarily moving it's more of like those organizations or those companies get to a certain point of maturity where the next natural step for them is to be acquired by an organization that is bigger. And again, given the size of New Zealand, some of those organizations may not exist in New Zealand. Uh, One of the big things that we've been hearing is that those specific organizations, they have a solid set of tools that they have built themselves. And now there's a desire for another organization or a competitor to take those tools and make it their own. But don't think the lack of capital is a concern anymore because there is quite a bit of capital flowing in the New Zealand market, especially for you know good ideas. Although it's not as well established as it would be in the US, where you know like you have your Silicon Valleys and you have a bunch of investors who are ready to like take on those ideas and run with it. We don't necessarily have that sort of framework in place in New Zealand. It's a matter of scale and as well as the fact that like we've started on this journey much later than a lot of those other countries. But that being said, I think I've read a recent article which said that we were definitely punching above our weight in terms of fintech innovation. And we've gone up in the rankings in terms of like where we were probably a year ago to where we are today. Mm, okay, that's great to hear. When the Facts Change is brought to you in partnership with KiwiBank to help you understand the issues affecting the economy. And that's what their team of experts is here to do too. Here's KiwiBank economist Sabrina Delgado on what's happening with the labour market in Aotearoa. 
Our slowing economy gives way to higher unemployment, and we're seeing tightness in the labour market quickly abating. Both a recovery on the supply side, with our surging migration, boosting labour supply and loosening some very tight labour market conditions. But now a stronger narrative is coming through. As consumer demand cools, so too is the demand for labour. Firms are no longer hiring with the same gusto. Already, unemployment has started to lift from record lows, and we expect that to continue throughout 2024. Visit kiwibank.co.nz to stay up to date with detailed economic analysis and forecasts from Sabrina and other KiwiBank experts. They take big issues from both here and overseas and make them relevant to Kiwi businesses. Raising capital or taking your business to the world? Investment Fix has the lowdown on everything you need to make it happen. This season, we're exploring the US market, the opportunities it offers, what it takes to grow a business there, and the best way to approach investors. Join some of the superstars of the investment and business world as they share advice from their time in the US so you can make your mahi count in this massive market. The Investment Fix Podcast, brought to you by Invest New Zealand. Tune in today. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. In terms of attracting talent to New Zealand, I mean, when you came from the US, it was in 2016, right? That's right, yep. So what exactly do you think a specialist working in the tech industry is looking for in a job based on your own experience? Is it just remuneration or is it creativity or is it freedom to practice your craft as you would like? What explains the movement of tech workers? I think remuneration is obviously an important one, but it's not the only thing, right? Like I think um, the technologists usually end up looking for interesting problems to solve. Like, you know, it's a very logical and science-based process, but there's also an art to it. So there's a lot of creativity that comes into solving those difficult problems. And there's always like constraints that technologists have to work with. So, you know, like if it is a constrained environment, then there's an ability for a technologist to kind of shine and show that creativity and that for that to come through. Obviously, like people are looking for good life, work-life balance, which I think most organizations now recognize that and offer that as a package deal. Like there's not a whole lot of companies you see today not promoting um, remote work or parental leave, etc. So all those good stuff that comes with it. And at the heart of it, like, yeah, technologists really like that flexibility, having, being empowered, being able to make decisions, having autonomy and working with the team. And I think if you were to like package all those things up, you'd make a person who works in technology or a technologist or an engineer quite happy to come and work for you. Very good. I was talking to a startup that had launched in Westport of all places a few years ago and they had managed to attract some former Silicon Valley staff to this tiny town of 4,000 people and it seemed like lifestyle and the connection to nature was a major factor. Absolutely and I think you know like if we were to be able to attract talent from outside of the country and this was one of the things that we can market ourselves as 
Kiwis is that it's a, it's a great place to come and live, especially post COVID. We're you know like come up on top as most livable cities, both Auckland and Wellington, um, featuring that top ten list. Yeah, from that perspective, definitely. And there, there's a lot of interest in roles from overseas folk, like more than we've seen in the last couple of years this year. But unfortunately for us, like it's a longer waiting period if we were to hire people externally than we were to try and find talent in New Zealand. One of the things that we have been doing is looking more closely at the interns and grads who are coming out of universities in the country. And I think that's one good way to like develop that tech talent and the tech pool in the country. Yeah, yeah obviously you've got this emerging wave every year of talented New Zealanders that can't travel overseas anymore and uh, this is a resource that needs to be tapped right <laughs> yeah people who would have gone on an OE and done work in the UK or the US now you don't have those opportunities presenting itself as much as it would have in the last few years so so this year you, you'd especially um, be looking at that group of people who would have potentially gone and worked in an overseas market there's some good opportunities there, but then again, like it's still a smaller pool than you would find in, say, Europe or the US. So where do you see the future of banking heading it's in the short term, both in the long term as well? Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of innovation around how to make the banking process a lot more seamless. So if we break down any process that we have today in the bank, if it's lending or starting up a new account, etc., like there's there's a series of steps that need to be completed before we get to that point. The goal is to be able to make sure that that is a lot more seamless. The other part is, you know, there's a lot more emphasis being put on financial literacy right from a early age on. So we've done some work with schools through Banker, one of the organizations that we partner with, and we'll be seeing a lot more of that financial literacy piece playing out. It's it's always good to start off that journey at right at the start as opposed to, you know, getting into your twenties and realizing that you need to start a bank account. I think people are starting to realize that very quickly that having a bank account and being financially savvy is actually a good way to start off on the path where you want to get to. We're starting to see the of the demographic of like people who are starting up bank accounts getting lowered quite a bit. Yeah, bankers are doing really good things, making financial literacy and numbers exciting rather than the, this idea that it needs to be ignored or neglected until it becomes a problem. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's exactly where we're going in terms of like getting some good tooling that allows for personal finance management to work better. You know, customers being able to make smarter decisions based on data and making sure that that data is available to them in a consumable format and that some, it's not something that they need to analyze themselves, but rather like giving them the ability to go, here's some insights based on what you have been doing or what your what your financial profile looks like. And and that's some exciting stuff where you really get a good sense of where you want to be and to and getting that um, getting that view in front of the customers. And that's another example of technology that's allowing this type of engagement to happen. I mean, Banker uses a, a digital platform to teach the students that are enrolled in the course, right? Definitely. Like the building blocks that we provide will allow for some of those technologies not only to be enabled but also enhanced 
as and when needed. That's effectively like where we want to get to is not necessarily be able to predict the future, but get to a point where we're nimble and flexible enough to be able to provide the right tools at the right times so that when there is a need or a demand for a specific set of features, we are able to like provide that. So it's not really about like, here's a golden standard that we want to get to in a decade's time. It's more about like, what are the building blocks and the foundational pieces that we, that will allow us to get to whatever that future state may look like. And how about your own journey? Did you always want to work in tech as where you started or how did that eventuate? Oh, no, not at all. Um, so when I started, tech was always there, but it wasn't something that I had put my heart and soul into. I'd started off doing a maths degree and along the way, it, it became almost obvious that this is a good move both from a financial perspective but also from a interesting problems perspective so if i had had my own way i would have gone in and done a, a maths degree and become a maths professor but but i think life had other other things in mind and so so essentially ended up doing an internship with ibm and then moved on to you know getting my first job offering with oracle and since then it's been it's been constant. Like there's, there hasn't been a reason for me to stop and think about doing something else. Although like mid-career, I did consider a law degree and yeah, the just the amount of effort I would have had to put into moving, um, changing careers and thinking about how to go about working through that scenario put me off like that very quickly. And I decided to stay on the same path in tech. Um, although like you know, tech is so broad now. There's there's multiple aspects of it. You know, every career t- touches tech in some shape or form. So it's not necessarily um, you know you have to go down a specific path to get into tech. A good example of this would be my wife, who started off doing a theater major, and um, she went on to doing education, and then eventually ended up doing tech and is here in New Zealand now working as a product manager in technology. And I've heard that you and your partner are a bit of a power couple within the New Zealand tech sector. <laughs> oh God, no, nothing of the sort. But uh, we both did apply for the same role at, when we had first come into the country. And um, unfortunately for me, my wife did get the role before me. And then when she turned it down, it was offered to me. <laughs> <laughs> so you were, you were second choice. Oh, that's all right. I was second choice. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, do you get to do much math in your role now? No, I don't actually. Um, other than boring finances, I don't necessarily get to do a lot of maths. Um, get to look at spreadsheets once in a while. I got really excited when I saw differential equation presented <laughs> to me in, uh, in, a, <laughs> um, in a paper that was given to me about how we were doing some compute work. But those come very rarely across my desk anymore. Um, but don't regret it. I do enjoy what I do now. You know, we've going down a really cool and interesting path. It's really good to be a part of this journey. All right, Ranjit, thank you so much for speaking with me today. It's so good to learn more about your world and uh, I've learned a lot. So thanks very much. Thanks, Michael. It was really good talking to you. Enjoy the rest of your day. All righty, kakite. When the Facts Change was brought to you by the Spinoff Podcast Network, together with KiwiBank. Visit kiwibank.co.nz to find out how KiwiBank are making Kiwi better off. Kia ora e te iwi. 
Gaia Butler here, podcast manager at The Spinoff. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spinoff member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spinoff Podcast Network.